guys, I'm Jen, owner of Jen Davis Design. And I'm Giselle, owner of Wander Design Co. We're so excited to welcome you to Better, a brand designer podcast. We have open and honest discussions about what it's really like to run a design business, diving into the stuff you just don't see on Instagram. We're all about giving you actionable advice and fostering a supportive community of the coworkers you're missing. Just remember, the only designer you need to be better than is the one you were yesterday. Welcome back to Better the Brain Designer podcast. I am here with Giselle and a very special guest, Kathy from Made by Women. We're super excited to have her here and so excited to jump into a conversation with her. But we always start out with a little intro question to break the ice. So Giselle, I'll ask you first, what is one of the biggest pieces of of advice that you've received from another designer? One of the biggest pieces of advice, I actually wrote this question down because this piece of advice that I got when I was just getting out of college and I applied to a really awesome job um, as a junior designer in Santa Barbara that I really wanted. I didn't end up getting it, but I emailed the guy back and asked what advice he could give me. And he told me I should pick one thing that I really love and be really, really good at it. Because at the time I told him like, I can do everything because I was a multimedia (laughs) major and I literally could do everything, but I wasn't very good at everything. You know, and that's stuck with me ever since. That's awesome. Yay. Kathy? I would say probably just go for it. I've had a lot of people like tell me, like, maybe it's just from me coming from like someone that wants to keep refining everything, like over and over again, probably over a hundred times. I think the biggest thing is just to go for it, whether that's like submitting the final version or posting it or sharing it with a client, whatever it is. I find that usually my best work comes from a way earlier version than the one that's like been edited a million times. And I think that really just comes from like in the beginning, like your creative juices are really flowing. So then it just has a better output. I so often will find that the first thing I make or second thing, it's like, that's what it really should be. And I feel bad for like, I'm like, I should spend more time on this, but this is already good, you know? Kathy, are you a perfectionist? Oh, yeah. It's <laughs> like, it's a good thing, but it's also a bad thing. Yeah. <laughs> that like totally leads into the biggest piece of advice that I got from another designer. And this um, piece of advice came from Brie from um, Rowan Made. I took her course um, at the beginning of last year. And during one of her live calls... One of my biggest questions was how simple is too simple because simplicity has always been a really big value of mine as a designer. And I was feeling bad for presenting these really simple concepts to clients, feeling like I I needed to like torture them a little bit more and, you know, make them like just do more design in them and stuff. But she told me that... Even if you pick, you you find a font and type out the client's name in the font, there's nothing wrong with that because the years of experience that you have, your design eye, um, the font research that you did selecting that font, like your client is paying for all of that, not just the time you spend in your Illustrator artboard. So that was a really, really big lesson for me and something that I still like try to go back to when I'm like, you know, thinking about continue, like, oh, I need to like add this and add this. It's like, no, just let it be. That's so true. Cause like if you were to go to a lawyer and they already had all this experience with the scenario that you're presenting to him, he'll like solve it in 10 minutes. Yeah. That doesn't mean you have to pay him 10 minutes worth of Exactly. Work. Exactly. Yeah. So awesome. Yeah. That was such a great question. Thanks for writing that Giselle. So good. Oh yeah. No problem. Well, we'll try to remember what the other one was supposed to be. <laughs> 
<laughs> so um, we, as I mentioned earlier, we're super excited to have Kathy from Made by Women here. And so just to kind of get our conversation started, Kathy, why don't you tell us more about your business, but also how you got to where you are now and just like a little kind of intro to your life. I am the founder and creative director of Made by Women. So basically Made by Women is a creative agency that has branding at the core and foundation of everything that we do. So we originally started as just a branding studio and it was just me. I started out as a freelancer, but then more like when I started to offer more like design packages, I found that I would be helping my clients with like a lot of different other Things that were, I mean, they were related to branding, but they were like completely different tasks, photography or web design, copywriting, stuff like that. And so really, I made the transition to go into a creative agency. So basically, we offer much more than branding now. So we have like web design and all of that. Basically, anything on the creative production side is where we've moved towards. And we mainly work with um, women-focused companies. So Usually what that means is their target market audience is mainly women. So a lot of it is like the industries that we work with are beauty industries, skincare, health, wellness, co-working spaces, stuff like that. I remember when I first saw your Instagram and I just fell in love with the like, just the vibe from it. And I'm like, oh my goodness. And then I realized that it was you because I had followed you from Breeze course. And I was like, oh my goodness, this is Kathy. This is amazing. And I went on your site, which is beautiful. You guys should definitely check it out. And I noticed that you had, you know, kind of started this agency and had all these, this amazing team. And I was just super, super impressed. So that's like probably the the biggest reason that we wanted to have you on, because I know that we have a lot of design studios out there who might be kind of like at that level where they're thinking about hiring for the first time, or they're trying to kind of break past this, this point in their income where they feel like they've reached their max and they want to like kind of break out of that and get their studio to the next level. So can you tell us a little bit more about like how you knew that it was time to transition into that more um, like CEO role rather than being a solopreneur? And how did you know it was time? Like what sparked that? You know, just kind of all that stuff. I, I think I found out and knew that it was time when I had just an overflow of creative projects. And I had another freelancer working with me to just help me with a lot of different little tasks. And then from there, I thought, you know, this is such a great like collaboration where someone is helping me with things. But then I wanted to be able to offer a lot more to my clients. So like I said before, like I used to help my clients with a lot of other projects like photography and web design and stuff like that. But then I also found out that there are a lot of things that I don't like to do. And I would just rather have someone else do it. So like WordPress is like not my thing at all. I love Squarespace. And so just quickly finding out that like, I can't teach myself like a million different things at once. And I love branding. And I also love to collaborate with other people. So I found that that was the time like I needed to bring on more help, more different skill sets, not necessarily like other skill sets that have a whole huge like formal design background I think it was just more of and this is where like made by woman is from is that we have a lot of different skill sets but we all have a very different background of how we got to there to that point 
And by the way, I love your name, Made by Women. <laughs> it's so awesome. Was there like a specific project or moment that made you decide, you know what, I need to register this name and hire these people and just go for it? Yeah. So I was actually sitting in a coffee shop. I remember like the days where like I would always have to go to a coffee shop to make sure like I was working. <laughs> and I remember like, you know, I love to work with women and a lot of the clients that I was already working with were women. And I thought, you know, why, why not start something where we're basically like a collective of different women, different backgrounds, different skill sets coming together and serving other women to attract more women into their business. Not to say that we don't work with male companies at all, because we still do. That's just really like what we're focused on. So Kathy, how did you go about finding and selecting your team members? And like, what was that process like? This is something that I struggle with. And I have about three, four people working for me right now. They're not full time. Um, they're just subcontracted. And it's interesting, like the different dynamics and just like not knowing, like going into it, not knowing what you want kind of thing. Like, is there any advice on finding and selecting your team members based off of what you learned? It's funny because like when I started finding other people to work with. I was also part of uh, business training and I had all these like questions come up, like, how do I find these people? What do I ask them? Like, I've never interviewed anybody, but really I just went with like my gut. And so I started looking online of different platforms that I could find people. I Love Creatives is a huge, huge platform. I posted a job ad on there and I got a lot of traffic from there, but then it wasn't just people reaching out to me. I did more of an active search on going out and finding that kind of talent and skill set. So I remember like my very first time I did that, I, I think it was the Create and Cultivate Facebook community group. I just went to meet with someone that was strictly just like, we're going out for coffee and we're, you know, talking about design, but then it quickly turned into like, hey, do you want to work with me? And then it kind of went from there. And then I went on LinkedIn, which is where I found another one of my team members. Yeah. So it's just been like a whole wide variety of different ways of going about it. And do you go per project, I guess, like you do like a project-based collaboration? Every project is really different. And so what I'm hoping for is to have everyone on my team to work on one project at a time, but that hasn't really been the case. And I think that's just because I'm so new and growing my team and having different clients. And I think just right now we have just either one to like three contractors working on a single project at a time. This is all like super interesting, by the way, because I am just relatively new to running a design studio. And so I am actually white labeling for another studio, which has been a really great experience. So I'm kind of in that role of be like the person who's being hired. But I can see like later on down the road, if my workload gets to be too much, then, you know, like I'll have to like start thinking about those things. Like, where do you find talent? Like, how do you hire that type of thing. So this is like super interesting and informative for me. So what's like one thing that you wish you would have known before you started hiring a team? Is there anything that like any mistakes that you made or like just a piece of advice that you would give to someone who is like starting to think about, I have too much work, I need to outsource or I want to like bring my studio to the next level? Oh, geez. There's like a ton of different things. Give us uh, multiple. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, because I, 
I wanted to grow my team really bad. And I knew that like, I didn't want to work alone on things. I kind of just went in and didn't really know what I was doing at all. Like sometimes like I still don't know what I'm doing. But I think (laughs) the biggest thing though, is that making sure that like we're on the same page about literally everything, like every expectation, every deadline. I mean, I prefer to work with my client directly. So I don't have any of my team members talk to my client just because I think it's easier that way. But then sometimes it's a case where like, I do need someone on my team to talk to the client just because I don't have the same type of knowledge that they do. But yeah, really, I think it's just communication is everything. So before a project starts, we just make sure that like everything is outlined. Like if something goes a different way, like if we need more possible revisions, it's just better to have everything thoroughly communicated beforehand. Right. And that's like a good way to kind of step into that CEO creative director role is to clearly outline expectations from the get go. That's something that I really appreciate um, as a contractor for other studios is when I know exactly when they're expecting the initial concept. I know exactly what they're expecting to be in the presentation. You know, like I know exactly what they're expecting in terms of communication. Like, do they want me to be like showing them stuff along the way or do they like not want to be bothered? You know, so that's really, really just key from someone who's on the other side of the spectrum. Yeah. And for me, it's easier said than done because I am pretty terrible at giving guidelines to my subcontractors. Like one of my web developers started doing a bunch of stuff for a website when I didn't communicate clearly what I wanted her to do. So she was confused and did all these other things. And then I got upset. And then I thought to myself, was it my fault? Or was it her fault? And then I realized it's because I just didn't communicate well. So I, that is very important. And like you were saying, Jen, you know, doing it from from your end, like you really appreciate that because you have these guidelines. Yeah, I want to know exactly what you want. So I can just do it. For you. Yeah. You know, I just want to make your job easy and not like be constantly <laughs> like slacking you, like, hey, blah, 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 you know, <laughs> unless yeah. you want that, you know. So, yeah. <laughs> so, Kathy, we are huge project management nerds. Yes. Is there like a platform that you prefer to use? Oh, yeah. It's definitely Basecamp. I've, I've stuck with Basecamp since like the very beginning. I know you've mentioned this, As- Asana, Asana. <laughs> I've used Trello, I've used Notion. I've, I don't know. I've, I went pen and paper once and like, <laughs> I've done everything that I possibly could, but Basecamp is my number one. What do you like about it? Well, I mean, it integrates with a time tracking tool, which I love, but I can hide and show things to my client. And then it can kind of act like a whole storage hub of everything. Oh, and so it you can, can send them like concepts and they can give you feedback right in Basecamp. Yeah. And one of the things like I love about it is that if you're talking about one thing is to keep it within that same thread instead of like a whole email thread where you're talking about like a million different things. And so I find that like it's just easier to do that. And then also, you know, you can mark it off as done. And then there's like the deadlines and all that stuff that you can assign to it. So it's been very helpful. So does the client make their own like profile and they log into their Basecamp profile to do all of the communication with you. Have you found that clients are like, they struggle with that? Do you like educate them? Like, how does that work? Well, Basecamp is pretty straightforward, I would say. And they also have a mobile app. And so a lot of my clients, usually they're like CEOs or like on the marketing team or something. So they're really tech savvy already. And so 
that mobile app is a huge game changer because they can send me feedback and stuff through there. But I don't really, now that I'm thinking about it, like, I don't really give them like an outline of like how to use Basecamp. But if they already are in that world, then, you know, yeah. you probably assume that they like know how to, how to use it. Because you're yeah. not as much working with like just single one person businesses anymore, right? Like you're kind of moved on to that next like echelon of, of businesses. A quick note on Basecamp. I took the Spruce Road Shareworthy course, which is like Rowan Maid's course. And she uses Basecamp from the beginning. She absolutely loves it. And in her like video tutorials, like she was showing how Basecamp worked. And I thought that's really cool. <laughs> but I'm using something free right now. <laughs> I'm using ClickUp. Yay! I'm like um, getting into Dubsado, but I I like how oh, I can yeah. keep the emails all together. But it's just like I'm trying I'm slowly transitioning slowly because I was having issues with with clients not really understanding how to use Asana. I don't know. Maybe that was just the client issue. But <laughs> um, I, I like that I can keep it in their email, but on my end, have it organized with Sato. Mm -hmm. um, but that like this is not about time management or productivity, Jen. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, like going back to your audience, like, can you tell us a little bit about how your audience transitioned from just when you were a single like solopreneur studio owner to running this agency and then how you kind of started attracting more of that the upper level business than before when you're just running your regular studio? Not that you didn't work with great clients before, but it's definitely a very different clientele. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's much different now. You know, before I used to only attract clients that were like right before launching. And I think that's just because a lot of the copy on my website was like launching your brand and, you know, get started kind of thing, which I mean, yeah, the copy is huge on the website of how to attract different clients. And so now I would say we don't attract that kind of client at all. We're more attracting clients that are looking to grow or expand their business. A lot of the businesses that we work with are actually like, they have multiple businesses. Like they have either a separate line or extension or a branch of their current brand that they want to grow. So now it's more focused on that end rather than launching. Got it. That's that's really interesting. The The website copy really changed the type of inquiry that you were getting. Can you tell us a little bit more about the language? Yeah. So I actually worked with our creative strategist, Jess, to rework all the copy that we had on the website. And a lot of it was, we wanted to make sure that we were on the same page with our clients of like being their partner, like being their creative partners. And so when we had switched the language to that, that's when we had relaunched our website and changed to Made by Women and all of that. That was a huge game changer. But really, it's just like thinking of like, what do these clients want from these creative agencies? Like, do they want it to be like a handoff kind of thing, like where they hire us and like they just want us to do everything? Or do they actually want to collaborate with us side by side on different projects? So that's been very different. That's awesome. It's awesome. It sounds like you um, really know your target audience from down to like using Basecamp. <laughs> I know people are going to have this question. So how do you get high level clients? Because a lot of people and, and I hear this a lot personally, too. A lot of people think that these clients don't exist. You know, they, th they think that they 
all other clients are always just going to be like, they want to pay $200 for a logo kind of thing. Do you have any advice on that? Yeah. I mean, for a little while, we were like 100% based on referrals. And, you know, referrals don't last forever. So now we're focusing more on like our social media efforts. So like in the last couple of months, like we've been a lot more active on Instagram. We've had a lot more inquiries come in through there. So really, I think it's just a mixture of social media and referrals. I wouldn't say it's equal now. It's still like some people find us through LinkedIn or Instagram or whatever it is. So it's really just, I think, making sure like you're active on not just one social media platform because you can't just rely on one. But yeah, it's just a mixture now. Like you were saying, like the, the copywriting and like the way that you're, you're saying things plays a huge part in that, doesn't it? Yeah, that changes everything. <laughs> that like totally reminds me, you know, like I'm thinking about just kind of not only you're reframing your site and, you know, you have a team now and everything, like you're at that next level. Was that a struggle for you mindset wise to go from, you know, just you to like stepping into this role of like creative director? Did you struggle with that? Or like, was that something that was easy for you? Or just tell us a little bit about changing that mindset and like how if that was important for the brand or or, or what? Just I just want to hear I love mindset stuff. So. <laughs> yeah, so I think I approached it with like, I'm gonna take it moment to moment approach. So like I said before, like, I, there are times where I don't know what I'm doing. But I think like, just making sure like I'm trusting myself and my gut of the decisions that I'm making with my team. There are times where I've been frustrated with my team. And I think that just goes back to like what Giselle was saying, like not being clear on our end of exactly what we want from them and how we can move forward with that. But I mean, I don't know. There's just, I think it's just like learning to like listen to your intuition of like what works and what doesn't work. Mm-hmm. That's so, yeah. so good. So, so much easier said than done, you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you come from like a family of entrepreneurs or, or do you know anybody that close to you that is an entrepreneur? Yeah. So it's funny that you say that because like a lot of the times like when I'm talking to someone, you know, they're always wondering like, where am I coming from? So my parents used to have a nail salon um, and now they have a sandwich shop and my sister, she does lash extensions. And so we've just had this family background of like so many different businesses. So I've always learned how, you know, they operate things and how they hire people and stuff. And then I, I guess like, I do take a lot from it of how to like integrate that within my business today, which is crazy to think. Cause like now I'm thinking about like, I call my dad all the time for random business advice. I tell, I like vent, I vent to my sister. I mean, there's like a huge support system of like when you can connect with other business owners and know that like you guys might be in very different industries, but a lot of it is very similar in different ways. Yeah. Right. Like some foundations just like intermix. It's really awesome. My parents also have a, a business and they do maintenance for dialysis centers. And I call her almost all the time about business stuff. Oh, that's so cute. <laughs> like, I didn't whether know it's that. frustrating, whether it's about taxes or about like hiring and things like that. Yeah. Like it's great to have someone like that, whether it's in their family or like, you know, having a mentor, like a friend or a coach or something. I think 
it's important to have something, a network like that. And if you don't have one, you can find one in our Facebook group. Yes. <laughs> it's, I, I, Giselle and I were talking before we, we hopped on the recording and like we're just floored at the positivity and support that's been happening in that group. I think people have been sharing some, some like early stages of their work, which I always struggle sharing initial concepts um, before I feel like they're perfect, but people are so supportive and positive and it's just yeah. really, really heartwarming to see. That's exactly our goal for, for this podcast yes. was to create this community. Yes, so. 100%. Thank you so much, Kathy, for being such a superstar in it too. I know. Really I know. That. Kathy's one of our founding members. She was one of the first people that I reached out to when we even had this idea for this podcast and she was all yes. about it and so supportive. <laughs> you like, re- like retweeted. You, you shared like all of our Insta stories and everything. So it's just like, I can tell that even before we like hopped on the phone for this recording, that community and business is something that's super important to you. And you obviously have like created this amazing agency because of this like passion in your heart for it. And people I'm sure can like sense that. And I'm sure that's one of the really big reasons why clients like working with you guys. Just a little love fest over here. Aww. Don't mind me. <laughs> you guys are yeah. so sweet. Yeah. I mean, I have been following, you know, from like the early days of the brand designer podcast. And I was like, oh my gosh, like this is finally coming out. And like, <laughs> right? there's not really anything like this out there. So I was like, yes, like I need mm-hmm. this. I want to listen to it. And like, I've, I've literally like listened to every single episode except for like the one that I think just dropped last week. So now it's like part of like my daily routine. Oh my gosh. I'm like clutching my heart on the video. You guys can't see, but (laughs) (laughs) no, but that's like, that's so, that is so great because like branding is such a very interesting style of design and it's different than any other. It's different than web design. It's like, like you said, branding is at the core I feel like of any type of design that's like B2B, anytime you're serving a business, like if there's not a strong brand there, like you really need to go back a few steps and like make, make them a mood board. You know, like there's so many situations and some of the white labeling projects I've done where a brand already has what they think is a strong brand identity. And it's like, okay, what's your brand strategy? Who's your client? Who you're serving? Like, what's your color palette even? They're like, we don't really need that. It's like, girl, <laughs> get yourself together because <laughs> no, but yeah, branding is just so intimate too. Like if there's a different set of skills that you need if you're a brand designer than if you're just yeah. like creating collateral or like, yeah, it's websites. a mix of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kathy, do you have any like other mentors besides your family that like a coach or anything like that that's helped you along the way? I don't have like a business coach or anything right now. I mean, I would love one. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) We all could definitely benefit. (laughs) Yeah, I think everyone could honestly. But yeah, I, I think my support system is like my family, my boyfriend, that's been huge and everything. And there's nothing wrong with, you know, saying what needs to be said, because like, sometimes you can't, you know, you're staring at a computer all the time for your job. And you can't always like, just be typing everything out it's better to to say it out loud and get it off your chest and make sure like you don't go too crazy about it. <laughs> yes. That like, that like makes me think like, I'm like so curious to know if you've had not issues with team members, but like, how do you resolve a conflict either between what you see as a vision for a project and what your team member sees, or if you have like a mismatch between like what the client has told you and what you're getting from a team member, like how do you kind of handle that? 
I think if there's something like on the client side and like we're not delivering, I always make sure that like I, like I said before, like I always prefer to talk to the client directly one-on-one. And so I find that like, it is not helpful at all to tell someone on my team, like, Hey, my client said, you know, X, Y, Z, can you do this? It's much better to say, Hey, look at the entire email thread or the conversation, the whole thread of what we were talking about. And then here are my thoughts on it. And like, here's what we we can do about it. But if they don't have any background or context of like what we actually spoke about, then it's like, he said, she said thing, and then it goes back and forth a lot. So I think like documentation is everything, having everything laid out and like making sure that if it's like a quick call or something, just hop on and like, make sure you're aligned. Yeah. Yeah, I I agree with you. I think that's so important. I do like copy and paste like sections of emails or I'll even, I use ClickUp. I can forward the email to the ClickUp task. So then my designer can see it like the full thread. I find that like way better than like me trying to write in my own words because there are going to be things that maybe I missed that, you know, somebody else will see and and not letting them see that. As a contractor, I love reading email threads between the person who's hired me and the client because I don't really do client-facing interactions with the people who hire me, which I'm fine with. I think it's better to have one point of contact for, yeah, for it's everything. Yeah, confusing. It's, it's just great to see like what the client said and then the response from the designer who's hired me because I can kind of see just her priorities and like how she's trying to like shape the client towards like the design solution that we've come up with together. And like sometimes the client isn't having it. And then sometimes the client's like, you know what? I never considered that perspective. Like, thanks for sharing that with me. And like that kind of like assuades them or like, you know, helps calm the situation down. So I appreciate seeing communication like that. And also, I just love reading other people's conversations. I mean, (laughs) I think it's interesting. I'm like, oh, that's such a cool way that you handle that. I'm totally going to use that next time, you know? Yeah. (laughs) I think we're out of these questions, but I've been writing some down. Yes. Go for it. Off the cuff. (laughs) Woo. Woo. (laughs) This is more of a personal question from me, I guess, because I have a hard time calling myself a creative director because I came from an agency world and then I started freelancing and I had a creative director at the time and so I like felt like a phony I'm like I am no way as good as my creative director was you know so how can I be a creative director so I've had a hard time calling myself that but like I wanted to hear from you like did you ever have that feeling or is this something that just came naturally to you and you just knew like I am a creative director what was that process like Yeah, that's not natural for me at all. (laughs) Yeah, so like when I go to like networking events or anything, I still struggle with this. And I I don't know if it's like, it's just weird saying it out loud. And like, sometimes like, I feel like it depends on like the kind of space I'm at, like the different kind of people that are there. Like if there's more creative people or if it's like a whole different industry or something, like sometimes I'll say like, I'm a graphic designer still or like a brand designer. And then sometimes they'll say I'm a business owner. So like, it's like, I think it just depends. And I think that really comes from like, my parents still don't fully understand what I do. Yeah. <laughs> I think a lot of people are yeah. dealing with that. <laughs> yeah, You're not alone with all of that. <laughs> and so like, when I'm like trying to explain something that's like a brand designer, then it like goes into this whole conversation of like, what is branding? Like what is not branding and then creative director, then 
it can go into another conversation like, oh, like you direct creative things and other nothing related to branding or like web design or anything like that. It's just, I guess it just really depends, but no, it, it never feels natural to me and I'm still working on it. But I think just the more that I'm doing it, the more that like I can learn to just be like slowly more comfortable with it. But yeah, it's a work yeah. in progress. It's a mindset shift, isn't it? I'm exactly the same way, depending on who I'm talking to. And on top of that, like if they respond asking like what that is, you know, like brand design, things like that, I know right away they're not my ideal client. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh no, they're too new. <laughs> yeah. I think um, I had a question pop up in my mind. So because you have such an expansive group of offerings, you know, you're not just obviously at the core is branding, but you know, you're doing web design and social media stuff and copywriting and and all those things. Like, do you have any tips for our listeners who might be struggling with kind of selling those services to their clients? And like, do you have situations where you have a client and like you explain your services and then you're able to kind of add multiple services onto a contract that like may have just started out smaller, but you kind of upsell? I guess like a tip I would give is like, Obviously, you need to have a conversation with someone, whoever it is that's offering that service on your team about, you know, what it is that they can do and what they can't do. I think being upfront with our client is huge, like, because they might be expecting something else when you say that you offer copywriting. And so you have to make sure like what it is that their needs are and like really go into depth of just like basically like a whole like discovery phase with them like what are your needs and this is what we can do what we can offer but yeah it just goes back to like communicating with your team that's good because copywriting can mean i mean not only can branding mean a billion different things to a billion different people but so can all those other services too like web design you know is it a custom build? Is it a Squarespace build? Is it WordPress? Like, are they doing like crazy animations? You know, is it going to be really interactive? There's so many different levels. So it's good to have those kind of set from the beginning. Yeah. And it's also really helpful to ask the client, like, you know, are there examples that they've seen, you know, where they can send over to us so we have a better idea of what they're saying? Because I know a lot of, you know, sometimes what we're saying is a whole nother language. And so, you know, when you say copy to someone else, they might think it's, you know, like, what are you copying? <laughs> or, you know, it's, it's just yeah. like breaking it down to like the very basics and making sure like you're meeting your client where they're at with how they understand how they view branding and all of those other services. So the whole example thing is huge too. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. You want to make sure that when you're talking about the same thing you're actually talking about the same thing (laughs) i know wouldn't it be great if we could just get into our clients heads and like just know exactly what they mean you know yeah yeah that's why mood boards are so great i know mood boards are just like that it's like mind reading like you know and if they have a horrible reaction you're like oh okay bad (laughs) (laughs) kathy do you have any uh processes that you've had to create um as you started building your your studio or your agency um, it's okay if dancers know. <laughs> so we typically work in phases of everything. And so we don't like to take on like a whole bunch of different things all at the same time, just because, I mean, like I said, like branding is the core of everything. If they don't have branding in place, then we make sure to establish that foundation. But then from there, we make sure that 
that's like, you know, kind of phase one, like, is there anything that you want to change with your branding or do you want to tweak something? Um, Cause usually the clients that we work with, they already have an existing brand, but it's more of like, how do we clean it up or how do we change things to attract their audience? And then from there we have other phases. So like there's the photography phase or like the web design phase or like collecting content. I think it just really builds on everything. And so even though when I send out customized proposals for every client, I always let them know that we work in phases. And this also helps too, if you know they have more of like a limited budget so they can have a better gauge of how do we invest in certain phases of the project. So that's been helpful. Awesome. Yeah. And do they, does your team help you create these proposals? Like whether it's just a timeline or maybe the, the budget, anything like that? Or are you doing um, it yourself? No, I do it myself. If there's, I mean, obviously like before I send a proposal, like I'll have a conversation with someone on my team about like what their capabilities are. And then that's when mm. I will input their information into the proposal but yeah yeah awesome well so i guess what like we always like to ask our guests at the end of our conversation what's one thing that you want our listeners to walk away from this episode knowing about growing your team and up leveling your studio oh man um you can just pick anything yeah (laughs) i would say just do it like just whatever it is that you're like on the fence about or hesitating just do it. And then you'll learn on the way. Because if you always wait for like the perfect time, or you're like procrastinating, or you say, no, I'll do it in 2020 or whatever, like there's no better time to start than now. Because even if it's like not something that you end up doing, at least like you'll know after you've done it. If you don't do it, then you know, you're always going to be in this mindset of like, well, maybe I'll try. So I think just knowing that like, you will probably fail. Um, <laughs> and that's totally fine. That's okay. Because, you know, you can reframe everything. You can say, you know, the failure was just a different way of like, you know, going about things like you can have it as a setback or whatever you want to do it. But as long as like you're risking and you're putting yourself out there, then just go from there. Yeah, I love that. That's awesome advice, Taking especially risks. for you, uh, yeah. perfectionists. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I was just um, before I keep on saying before we record it, we need to just turn our recording on as soon as we start talking to each other. I was telling Giselle about um, a client, a brand presentation that I just sent off, and I was like, honestly, I kind of took a risk because I think she was really looking forward to seeing some like sans serif like typography, but I was really feeling this type that was not sans serif, and I to put it all over the mood board. <laughs> so I was like, you know what? Like I'm the expert here. Like I'm going to take a risk and like, see if it, it ends up paying off. And it's those types of situations where Kathy's advice is, is so salient. Like you really need to trust yourself and like send, the, send the proposal, you know, send the brand strategy, like trust yourself <laughs> and know that like the first thing that you designed is the solution, you know, yeah. like that's so good. And something that's so hard to remember, but thanks for yeah. reminding us. Yeah. And to be better than you were yesterday, you have to try, right? <laughs> yes, exactly. Back back yeah. to the title. Yeah, <laughs> we started this podcast way before we were ready. You know, like we had no idea, like two designers, we have no idea how to do sound. That was something that was such a huge struggle for us. Like, you know, we started and we just didn't have time for it either. We're both incredibly busy, you know, but like, we're so happy we started when we did because, you know, this is like one of the very first episodes that we're recording for season two. 
So we have our inbox question for this episode from Melissa Walsh, Brand Physics. Yeah, I say that right? Yeah. yeah, Brand Physics. How do you repurpose your brand design concepts that aren't selected? Kathy, do you want to go first? Yeah, sure. So my answer is I, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I keep all of like my unused brand concepts in a folder, but... I mean, honestly, like if it doesn't work out, like I part ways with it and then that's really it. I mean, there are times like I'll refer back to them and see like, how can I use it for inspiration for a new project? But really, I just, I call it good. I'm like, goodbye. (laughs) (laughs) That's That's how I am too. I have like a little concepts illustration file and I just copy and paste them on there. And I just use them for inspiration. If like something looked really cool, but it didn't work out for that brand, maybe it'll... Like a piece of that will work out for another and I'll use it as inspiration. That's smart. Or to put I'll it put on it on my Instagram board. feed. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. You know, I'll share. Because I do the one concept method, usually clients don't see um, concepts that have been rejected by me, you know? Yeah. So like it's, I don't really have... I don't fall in love with concepts that then get rejected by the client because if I fall in love with a concept, like it's going to be the design solution and the client is going to say yes with minimal refinements. Like that's just the way, like my mindset that I like, I have to have for the one concept method. So I'll, I'll use stuff for, for Instagram, you know, as a little lesson, it's like, you know, sometimes it doesn't work out, but it's still beautiful. And you know, that's what makes us good brand designers is being able to edit ourselves like that. And for the listeners that, have had a concept or multiple concepts rejected. Maybe you're not working with your ideal client and that is a great you know, reason for you to share on Instagram so that any potential client that would love that will hire you for it. So in a way, it's kind of like a personal project. <laughs> Maybe that's a way that you can repurpose your brand design concepts. <laughs> and I know that Brie from Rowan Maid is doing, she's taking some, maybe some rejected concepts and she's creating semi-custom designs with them. So it's at a lower price point and she's using some, you know, maybe some typography or iconography that hasn't really actually made it into a real brand, but she's repurposing it in that way, which I think is a really cool way to to use past work that's perfectly good. Have you guys also seen like those brand packages? Like I think Salted Ink used to sell them. I don't know if they still do, but it's like concepts that weren't selected and they like turn them into something so that someone can buy them. Kind of like what you do on Etsy. You can just buy it and like change your name to to it. Oh, that's cool. That's a cute idea. I don't know if you guys have seen that, but... That's something that I, when I first started out, I wanted to do, and then I never did it, and I'm glad I didn't. <laughs> yeah, it seems like a lot of work. And also, if you're working with clients who are in different price ranges, serving two different audiences with two different price ranges is just a slippery slope, I feel like. It's it's funny that you said because I actually have a shop. <laughs> that has, oh, really? Oh, yeah. yeah. I didn't know you had a shop. Tell us about your shop. So I had this idea of like having a shop because I, so basically like when I transitioned to a full creative studio, I still like loved working with like, you know, people that were launching their business. And so I thought, you know, maybe I should still like serve those clients in some way, which I'm not focused on really at all anymore, but I still have it online. It's made by woman.shop. And so basically we have different collections in different industries. And if a client wants to purchase it, all they have to do is just submit an inquiry form and then you can change your business name and then the colors in there. And then they're basically on their way of launching their brand. It's a lot more 
simplified version of everything that we offer today, but I felt like I couldn't completely let go of that aspect of my business because I still love working with like, it doesn't matter like what business size you are, because I think everyone could benefit from branding. But yeah, so it's still still live over there. It's really cute. I love the GIF. Oh, the I want to see it. I'm going to check this out after. Thing on your website, like in the footer. I, I think it's in the footer. It's really weird that I have this intimate knowledge of your website, but <laughs> um, I like spent a lot of time on there because I just, I, I think it's beautiful. A year ago, I wanted to start a template shop and like launch it this Jan, like January of 2019. And I was like really set on it because I really loved making all these projects and like I wanted to sell them and like really target those lower budget clients that I love helping people and I like don't want to turn people away so I could just refer them to my shop. And the reason that I didn't was because um, my business coach told me that I needed to focus on my business. And I was like, <laughs> oh, fine. So I didn't do it. And like, I was glad that I didn't because then I was able to see a lot of growth, but that's still like on my mind for the future. I, I like, know. I'm going to have a template shop one day. I think web <laughs> templates are actually really cool. I have a friend who does web website templates, um, wellnesssiteshop.com. Um, <laughs> yeah. Mary is amazing. She does uh, Squarespace templates for wellness entrepreneurs and she is killing it. So I always think that looks really fun because it's like a digital product that can just go on its own, you know? Is there anything else that you would like the audience to know? Any launches or anything offerings? Yes. Pitch, plug. <laughs> this is your time. I don't really have any offerings right now, but there is something that I am looking to focus on in 2020, which is possibly having an actual creative studio space. And so... Oh, sweet. Yeah. So it's still all in the works, but that's something that we have been wanting to kind of move the direction in just to have more of that connections like side of the business, like physical connection. And so it would be nice, (laughs) but everyone on my team is just all over the US. And so it's just, I don't know how that will work exactly, but hopefully, (laughs) I mean, I get to connect with other people that are more local in the Seattle area. That's awesome. Oh, you live in Seattle. I think I knew that actually, but that's so cool. And then maybe you can like host events and stuff like that. That'd be pretty fun. I'm already waiting for the brand like photo shoot reveal of your new space. Like I'm already here for it. We'll we'll be there for the lunch party that we'll throw you. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Yeah. You can have like a digital launch party. Yeah. A digital tour. Yeah. That's Um, like, I love dreaming about like having an actual physical office, you know, and how I would decorate. And I mean, if my website is any clue, I'd redecorate every three months. So, (laughs) (laughs) well, Kathy, it was so wonderful talking to you and we would love for everyone to check you out and your beautiful website and all of the places that they can find you. So where can they find you? They can find me on madebywoman.co, the website or madebywoman on Instagram. That would be the two best ways. (laughs) Yes. And it's spelled W-M-N for women. Yes, yes, yes. Which I think is so chic. Yes, I love it so much. Well, thank you so much for being here. Yes, thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me. Of course. Bye, guys. Bye. We hope you enjoyed today's conversation. Subscribe wherever you're listening to make sure you don't miss an episode. And we'd be forever grateful if you left us a review on Apple Podcasts. We bet you've got designer friends who'd enjoy it too, so share it with them. 
If you'd like to submit an inbox question for us to answer on air or want to get in contact with us directly or are interested in a guest interview slot, reach out at inbox at betterbranddesigner.com. There are so many amazing conversations happening inside our Facebook community. We'd love to hang out with you in there. Search for Better the Brand Designer podcast to join us. And visit us online at betterbranddesigner.com to learn more about our podcast and each other.